You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host, Dave Buchanan. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Chief Harlan McEwen to our podcast, uh, where Harlan and I are going to have a conversation about his history in public safety, his history with the early days of uh, FirstNet, and uh, here are some of his observations about where we're going and what he's most excited about. Uh, for those of you that haven't yet met Harlan McEwen, he was our first chair of our Public Safety Advisory Committee at FirstNet. He had a distinguished law enforcement career at local and federal levels, and um, most recently retired um, as our chair of the PSAC, uh, where he spent um, the first three years at FirstNet as the, as the chair of our Public Safety Advisory Committee. Harlan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'd like to start off by having our listeners learn a little bit more about your career uh, and how you got involved in policing. And if you could take just a few minutes to talk about um, your, your, your early days as a, as a police officer and all the way through to uh, where you are today. It's pretty hard in, in a few minutes to talk about 60 years of, <laughs> of experience. But um, it started because <clears throat> I had a, a next-door neighbor who was a, uh, the, the local fire chief. And he had uh, this mobile radio in his personal car, which he uh, let me ride with him sometimes to fire alarms. And that was where I got interested in public safety communications. That was long before there were any portable radios or anything. So that's got me interested and uh, in getting involved as a, uh, an interested uh, fire uh, person, uh, I got uh, the police station was in the same building as the fire department. And uh, eventually uh, they asked me if I wanted to be a part-time dispatcher. And uh, that led me to eventually getting an offer to be a police officer. And that's, uh, that's how it all started. So, but it was always communications focused. Uh, you know, I've, I've uh, been involved in many aspects, but <clears throat> if you think about um, the radio aspect of it, I've watched the technology go from tube radios to transistors to, you know, modern uh, kinds of uh, communications. And now, of course, uh, looking at uh, where we are with broadband, it's been quite, a, quite a, an evolution, so to speak. Talk a little bit about... Um your work um, outside of your, your, your day-to-day policing job, once you got sort of more involved with the IACP and there's sort of this national discussion about public safety communications, how did that come about? How did you um, grow into that leadership position? Well, uh, first of all, because I had this radio focus and most people did, didn't, didn't have, I had a, you know, somewhat of a, a knowledge about the technology as it was evolving. Uh, I first became the chairman of the, uh, uh, I got involved at the state level and national level when I became a police chief in 1972. So I became the chairman of the New York State Police Chiefs Communications Committee, and that led me to being appointed chairman of the International Association of Chiefs of Police Communications Committee, and that was in 1978. And um, over those years, I was the leader subject matter expert, so to speak, in law enforcement, to some extent in public safety, on uh, evolving communications technologies, uh, watching uh, these transition from, 
you know, simple push-to-talk kinds of things uh, into a more uh, sophisticated data sharing. The, uh, the issue is that uh, during that, those years, uh, the technology, uh, you know, changed dramatically. And uh, over a period of time, what happened is that uh, uh, I grew with that technology. I, you know, became very uh, knowledgeable and conversant. I was never an engineer, but I understood how it worked and how it could benefit law enforcement and public safety. And that's kind of how that all evolved. Um, it made it re necessary for me to be what I would call the lead advocate for increasing um, uh, radio spectrum uh, that the FCC administered. So that's kind of the kinds of things that I was involved with, getting additional radio spectrum. That's the, that was how the beginning of FirstNet started, was that we were uh, advocating to Congress and to the FCC that instead of just narrowband voice radio systems, we needed uh, wideband um, data systems. And uh, in those days, we were talking about wideband, which was quite different, and we didn't even know about broadband. So that's kind of how that all evolved. So I was right in, engaged in all of that transition long before, uh, you know, anybody uh, really understood broadband. So we've talked on previous podcasts about some of the early history of FirstNet. The, obviously, everyone's well aware <clears throat> of the 9-11 Commission report, and you were right at the center of the discussion in Washington, in Congress, with the executive branch. Talk a little bit about um, what that was like and your experience and what were your expectations for, we didn't know it was gonna be called FirstNet back then, um, but what were your expectations for what this public safety broadband network was going to be and what was that like? Well, first of all, <clears throat> during those years, we developed a, you know, and I was involved critically in a leadership role in changing our attitude towards uh, communications. The, uh, the thing of it is that uh, we always were advocates for strong local uh, licensing and licensing, uh, you know, and, and uh, control. So every police department, every fire department, everybody had their own licenses. There were thousands of them. So in one county, if you had several fire departments and police departments and ambulance services and so on, they all had their own frequencies, their own, and, and they weren't interoperable. So we began talking about trying to improve interoperability. Uh, in those days, we were looking at uh, P25 as a standard. Um, <clears throat> that eventually led to the fact that we needed perhaps a different approach. We realized eventually we're never going to have true interoperability with all those different systems because they were never funded the same time. They were never in sync with the same technologies. And trying to get all those thousands of different systems in sync into an interoperable way was just never going to happen. So that's when we began to think about a nationwide approach for data. In other words, we were looking at how do we get data differently than we do push-to-talk voice. And that's when we started to develop the strategy for what eventually became FirstNet. So you, your, your career um, spanned in, in law enforcement. You were involved in 
the state association, the national association, international association of chiefs of police. Um, what was it like um, working across disciplines um, with the fire community? Did that go well uh, at first? It obviously came together nicely at the, by the time the act was passed. And that's one of the, I think, hallmarks of the success of that was first responders coming across, coming together. Right. What, but what was that like at the beginning? Did you? Well, I mean, because I've been in the business so long and I was a volunteer fireman for a period of years, so I had some respect for the fire service a little differently than most law enforcement people. Um, the working relationship between police and fire varied all over the country. It was some places it was very good. Some places it was just terrible. And, it, you know, it always boils down to personalities, people. If people want to work together with each other and respect each other's opinions and, and try to come up with a compromising solutions, that works good. But uh, in this whole arena, I would say that um, when we started advocating for this nationwide public safety broadband concept, the, the public safety community came together uh, in a way that we'd never seen before. The police and the fire and the EMS community, and all of those people began to realize that if we didn't work together, we would never be successful. And of course, uh, that led to our eventually uh, forming partnerships with the uh, local and state government associations, like the Conference of Mayors, the, the National Governors, the League of, the League of Cities, uh, Association of Counties, all those organizations that represented state and local government. If we hadn't partnered with them, we wouldn't have been successful. But eventually, we all came together, and that's what really made it happen. So let's jump ahead to 2012. Um, the, the, the climate was right. The law was passed. FirstNet became a reality. Um, you, you were involved... <clears throat> from the very beginning uh, with the early leadership team and the board was ultimately named and you were named the first chair of the Public Safety Advisory Committee. Talk a little bit about what those you know, first months were like in the early days before there was even staff, um, what that was like. Well, it wasn't easy. I have to tell you, it was a, it was a difficult thing. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, as you know, the law says there has to be a PSAC. The Public Safety Advisory Committee was not something that somebody just thought up. It was in the law, and it said that the FirstNet board uh, had to consult with the P had to, there had to be a PSAC. Didn't say what the PSAC was going to consist of. Actually, probably could have been one or two people, uh, but uh, luckily, uh, I'd been engaged in, in these kinds of discussions, and the first uh, chairman of the board. Sam Ginn uh, reached out to me and offered me uh, the opportunity to be appointed as the first chairman. And uh, one of the tasks uh, that he gave to me was to develop a strategy for what should the PSAC consist of? Who, who should be members of the PSAC? How many people? How should it operate? What should the governance be? And so that's what we, uh, you know, I spent my time with a few key people uh, after I was appointed, the next thing uh, was to appoint the four other people who were the vice chairs and were the uh, made up the executive committee. <clears throat> and then that led 
to the eventual uh, development of the of the membership of the PSAC and how were they appointed and all that. So there was a there was a uh, you know a, a, a kind of a transition. It took a while to do it, but it uh, ended up I think quite successful. So we had a podcast um, earlier uh, a month or two ago with the existing leadership team of the PSAC. We had a great conversation about where where we're going with the PSAC um, into 2019 and beyond. Um, talk a little bit more, Harlan, about, and, and you've been now retired since 2017 as the chair, but talk a little bit more about um, some of the early work that the PSAC did. You and I had a conversation earlier today about how important that was to the, really the foundation of what became FirstNet. A lot of the work that, that the PSAC was responsible for uh, found its way into either state plans or into the RFP or ultimately the contract with AT&T. But talk a little bit what that was like and some of those issues and and um, and, and reflect on that if you would. So so working with the, the FirstNet Authority staff, the leadership, you and, and many others who were in various leadership roles, uh, we were uh, given tasks to perform and... Uh, I was involved in the discussions leading up to what those tasks would be and which ones are more important than others, which one we do first, and so on. So there were a number of those tasks. We had to deal with identity management, ICAM. We dealt with uh, local control. We dealt with uh, uh, who's el- who, will, who will be eligible for uh, uh, access to FirstNet. Um, many, many different topics and we spent, um, in most cases, uh, at least uh, about six months on each of those, maybe in some cases a little more, but um, working with, actually, uh, while we were doing those projects, staff were being additionally hired. Uh, for instance, the technical staff in Boulder were being hired on as we were doing some of those tasks. We brought some of them on board to help us with technical expertise. We would, we would provide the public safety understanding, and they would give us the technical expertise and say, well, here's what's practical. Here's how you can maybe accomplish what you want to accomplish uh, in, a, in a technical way that's reasonable and, and, and affordable. So those were the kinds of things we did. So there were a whole lot of a series of those tasks that we performed. Well, we're grateful for the work that PSAC did and know that um, the content uh, that, that came from that work really, as I mentioned, contributed in a tremendous way to the RFP and ultimately the, the solution we see today. Um, so let's talk now a little bit more about the, uh, the FirstNet solution. Um, what, what do you see as the, um, you know, some of the most important attributes um, about the solution? What, what, what excites you most about what we're doing and what the network's bringing to first responders? Well, first of all, the driving the, the driving force behind this uh, was that the com- other commercial networks, uh, all of them, refused to give public safety any priority uh, over their networks when we needed it the most. In other words, any time a major event occurred and the public was all competing for access to the network, we were just another customer. I wasn't any different than my grandson or my granddaughter or my wife or my aunt or uncle. So it just didn't make any difference. So we, we could be dealing with a life and death situation uh, 
while they're talking about what what they're going to have for lunch and you know something not that important. So priority and preemption were probably the the two driving forces behind this, not the only forces, but the driving forces, which we now have uh, with Band 14 and the and the rules that are put in place. Then uh, the next thing was to develop what can we do in using a, a, a single nationwide public safety network uh, that we couldn't do with just using commercial networks. We could develop special applications that aren't available to the public, that we don't want available to the public, that give us the tools to be able to protect uh, public, uh, you know, safety people, property, lives, and, and, uh, and all of those things. And uh, that's what's now being developed. I mean, I'm real excited about those kinds of things. So our work isn't done, obviously. It's a 25-year contract. We're just a year into it. Uh, I think at and is doing a fantastic job with, with where we are here in 2018. Um, but what challenges do you see, Harlan, um, that we're going to be confronted with? What, 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 are you, what are you concerned about uh, when you think about the future of FirstNet? Well, first, first of all, you always have to understand the financial aspects of anything. So the fact that we were able to get $7 billion of money that didn't come out of the taxpayers, it came from spectrum auctions, was a critical first step to being able to develop the strategy for the next 25 years where we have a contract uh, with, with AT&T. The fact that uh, we're now looking at, um, under the contract, the reinvestment opportunities in the future and how we can best build out this network and make it uh, really a true public safety experience, different than any other commercial network can or will ever provide, is very important. And I think uh, uh, knowing uh, what the FirstNet Authority is doing now in planning that strategic plan for the future is critical. Uh, and I know that uh, Public Safety and the Public Safety Advisory Committee are going to be consulted you know, regularly in this development. So that's really important. Well, I'm glad we've had a chance to spend the day together, Harlan. You've been a great resource to FirstNet. You've been a great resource to the development of this network. Uh, I, I consider you one of the founding fathers of the FirstNet, uh, and I think we're lucky to have you here today and really grateful for your time, uh, your advice, and your counsel to us. Um, thank you for joining our podcast, and I hope you can join us again. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at FirstNet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at FirstNet.com.